This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Long time no talk. How you doing? Welcome to your, welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It has been a fantastic couple of days off, but you know what? I've been itching to get back here because we got a lot of things to get to and some things that I've had on my chest for the last couple of days. It's amazing. You know, you always look for vacation time. You're always like, man, I can't wait to go away, get away from it. But about two days in, I'm already ready to come back. Does that even make sense? I'm already ready. Anyways, you know where I'm going with that. A lot of energy, a lot of stuff in the world of sports going on, but some things that I want to get off my chest. So let me take you to that one story, that one thing that rises above everything else. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. So it's been a couple of days since you and I have gotten together, actually last Friday if you're splitting hairs, and a lot has happened over the last four or five days. and. Having the opportunity on a long weekend to step back and maybe sift through Twitter a little more than I usually do, you start to see a number of things that make you scratch your head and say, hmm, I wonder how that would have played in a different era, in a different generation. For example, Theo Fleury has come out over the last couple of weeks and been very vocal, very anti-vax, very pro-government, very polarizing. And even though I don't agree with Theo Fleury, this is 2021, and this is where we are starting to see the underbelly of society. I've said this to my wife for, gosh, over a year now, that I am amazed how much tension was under the surface. What is it? Calm waters sometimes hide the most intense undercurrents? I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not big into poetry, but I think one thing that I've learned is that you're going to have to accept the good with the bad, and the bad with the good, for at least certain things. For example, athletes who we revere, at least us sports fans revere, sometimes don't agree with the things that we agree with. Sometimes they don't want to go to the White House because of the guy that's currently sitting behind the Oval Office desk. Sometimes, like Muhammad Ali, you take social justice and make it a mainstream conversation. Not everybody agrees. So when you look at certain athletes and you revere them because you agree with what they're saying, and then you hate other athletes because you don't agree with what you're saying, you can't have it both ways. You legitimately have to look at these athletes and separate what they did on the ice, in the ring, on the field, wherever they are, and truly look at them as that. Because there's a lot of people right now that are dragging Theo Fleury through the mud. And again, to preface this, I do not agree with the thoughts and the opinions of Theo Fleury. But I also have to remember that I can't have it both ways. That if I'm gonna sit back and look at Colin Kaepernick and everything that he's doing for social justice, something that not everybody agreed with, then I have to look at Theo Fleury in the same light. And even though I don't agree with the things that he's saying, I have to remember that people that have these kind of platforms aren't always going to agree with my opinions. Let me localize it. So a couple of months ago, while I was at TSN 1040, 
I had Mark Donnelly come onto my radio show. Mark Donnelly, the longtime national anthem singer for the Vancouver Canucks. Big voice, big personality, and a big time anti-masker and anti-vaxxer. So when I had him on that show, we got massive ratings. One of the biggest spikes I think they had had in the last two to three years. If memory serves me correct, we were well above a 20 share. For that two hour show, we had the city's ear. And even though I didn't agree with the opinion of Mark Donnelly, I gave him the platform. And some people disagreed with me for giving him said platform, but I wanted to hear his opinion. He had just lost out on the Vancouver Canucks job, a job that he probably coveted, a job that he probably wanted to do again, but was no longer allowed to do that by the organization because he didn't want to adhere to the masking policies that were in place. We didn't see eye to eye, but we had a conversation for 15, 20 minutes. And my phones lit up like a Christmas tree. My social media, you couldn't keep up with it if you read as fast as you could. But you know what? He had his forum. I gave him his opportunity to say his piece. And we moved on. Did we agree? No. But the one thing that I will say, athletes are a unique beast, aren't they? They're a unique beast because they do represent the things that we love. You look at Theo Fleury, the undersized guy that overachieved, that was a feisty competitor on the ice. And we all love Theo Fleury. He was probably one of those guys that you loved to play with and hated to play against. And yet, post-career, there have been certain things that he has said that not everybody's agreed with. And immediately you go to, well, he's off his rocker. And I can't believe I supported this guy. It's two different things. So I look at it like this. I can't hammer a guy like Theo Fleury if I was to think back 30, 40 years and what other athletes were standing up for at the time. Remember how hard it was for certain people within the NBA to associate themselves with Magic Johnson once he had come out with HIV? Do you remember back in the days when blacks and whites wouldn't sit in the same locker room or didn't go to the same washroom? When Colin Kaepernick took his knee and everybody divided on that as well. This, believe it or not, is no different, at least in my opinion. Do we think that everybody should be vaccinated? I would imagine most of you listening do, but not everybody. We have to give these people the opportunity to say their piece. Do I like that people protest in front of hospitals where men and women are working around the clock to keep people healthy? No. That to me is disgraceful. That to me is taking the opportunity that's been presented to you where you do have an opinion and completely spitting in the face of that opportunity. But if somebody wants to go forward and simply have their opinion, they are entitled to that opinion. I don't agree with it always, but they deserve their opinion. And I hope that those who don't agree with my opinion will at least give me this form or any form to have that same conversation. It's called free speech. I really don't understand how we got here as a society. I look back over the past couple of years south of the border with Donald Trump as a president, and man, I just cringe. I did not agree with the politics of Donald Trump, but I didn't agree with the energy that he brought. It was meant to be divided. It was meant to separate communities and states. I'm amazed, though, how that presidency and everything that it spawned has trickled into our battle against COVID. It's almost like that prepped us for this moment. I've never seen my country and my community so divided. Never have. I'm 47, and this for me 
is the most where I have walked out the front door in my lifetime and wondered what my neighbor thought. I used to just look at them and say, no problem. I didn't care if they were black and white. I didn't care if they were gay or straight. I didn't care if they had different religious opinions than me. But when I walk out the door now, I don't worry about what they think. I just try to keep to my own business, but I do feel judged. I do feel when I walk out the front door with my family, a little less safe than I did previously. And that's disappointing. If we can keep it to a conversation, I think everybody can have their say. Athletes, actors, the guy next door, the girl down the street. The only problem is that I think we're losing our perspective. It's all gray area now, isn't it? Between everything that happened with Donald Trump's presidency, all the fire that we're seeing right now with the liberals and the PCs and the NDP, the planets warming up, the world's angry at each other, it feels like a shaking can of pot. But if I step back and just look at the verbiage right now, a lot of it's hot air. But when I see athletes, the people that I cover, the people that I converse about on a daily basis, getting dragged through the mud because they have an opinion, it's hard for me to accept. It's hard for me to accept. If their actions affect others, it's worth the conversation. But I can't take away their ability to have their opinion. I can't do it. And I don't think it affects what I thought of them as an athlete on the ice or on the field. I didn't agree with everything that a lot of different players did. The steroid era in baseball was something that tarnished the game for me. As a fan, as a kid that loved baseball since I was a little guy, knowing that there's guys in the Hall of Fame that did the juice, I'll never look at the game the same. Every era has their challenges. This one just happens to be ours. All right, let's get to the rest of the day of sports. I'm sorry, I'm not going to go heavy on you for the whole show, but let's get to it. Let's see what's going on on the court, as in the tennis court. Let's see what's going on on the links, the ice, the field, everywhere. We got so many things to talk about. Hottest team in baseball is Canadian. Let me get you into that one room where we house it all. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Before we get to college football south of the border, before we get to the CFL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, tennis, golf, all of it, there is one story that I just cannot take my eye off of. It was a 68-0 loss for the Simon Fraser fill-in-the-blanks here. Can you imagine a college football team starting their season with a 68-0 loss? And the worst part about it, it's not even the worst loss in the last three years at that school. I, in full disclosure here, I love Simon Fraser Athletics. I love UBC Athletics. I love college sports in Canada. And nothing would make me happier than watching great football, great basketball, great soccer, great baseball, and have it all right here in the Lower Mainland. I think it's good. I think it's fan-friendly. I think it's affordable. Let's do it. But several years ago, both UBC and SFU were exploring the opportunities to become a part of the NCAA which is America's college athletic program. And there's so much cachet. There's the opportunity to increase revenues, scholarships, interest. It's all there for the boosters and everybody that has wanted to say that they're competing against the best. SFU, for many years, played in the NAIA, 
which as an independent didn't have nearly the cachet of the opportunity to play in the NCAA. Well, UBC, after doing some research, decided no, we're going to stay in the U Sport world, which used to be CIS. But SFU took the bait and now are a part of the NCAA. And it's been nearly a decade. The problem is you have two or three big sports when it comes to college. I, trust me, each school every once in a while has a program off the beaten path that becomes that program. Like at SFU years ago, swimming was the focal point. They were some of the best in North America. But let's get back to the three big sports. You've got basketball, you've got football, and then you can add whatever one-off sport your school is specifically good at. But there's usually three that financially get you into the black. I know this for a fact. A couple of years ago, when UBC was doing their audit of their sports program, of the 24 or 25 programs that they had, only three of them were profitable. So imagine that. Imagine that you have 85% of your programs going to the endowment each year with their hands open asking to get back to even Steven. Coaches get paid. Athletes get to play. The odd sponsor chips in with a couple of cases of Coke. But you have to have your big boys and your big girls. You have to have your big programs making money. It's just non-negotiable. So UBC a couple of years ago goes out and wins a Vanier Cup. And life is so very good because now on the national stage, they've been seen on CBC, TSN, Sportsnet. Everybody looks at UBC as that shiny beacon of light, that one program that is the best in Canada. Meanwhile, SFU, who took the bait of going down and competing against the NCAA, not even Division One, but Division Two, is absolutely getting clobbered every year, every schedule, without fail. Guys, do you know what their record is in the last five years? It's 2-47. and 47. Two wins and 47 losses. And one of those wins happened to be against Willamette State, a Division Three team that a couple of years ago didn't even have a program. So the reason I bring this up is not to bash the guys that are playing. Hey, like I said in a tweet earlier this weekend, you suit up, you put in the work, I will do nothing but respect you. But there has to come a time where SFU, as a department, looks at that decision to go to the NCAA and reassesses. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe we cannot compete because we can't deal with the border and draw the talent that's good enough to play against some of the schools that continue to drub us to the tune of 70 nothing, 77 to seven. These are losses in the last couple of years. Kelly Bates was the head coach at SFU for three years and won zero games as head coach. Zero. I don't know what you say here. Because sure, maybe your basketball team's starting to find a little bit of respectability. Maybe your soccer program every once in a while can be ranked amongst the top in your conference, which is great, the GNAC. But if your football team is getting clobbered the way that SFU's is, you're going to have one of two decisions to make. One, you're going to have to take a step back and realize that you're not good enough to play in that conference. Or two, you fold the program. And I don't mean this to be the guy that's gaslighting and doom and gloom. 
But if you are a program that loses that consistently, that decisively, and there is no game plan in place, fold it up. And sure, I know there's a number of great CFL players that have come from SFU. It used to be a pretty good turnstile of talent, but it's not anymore. And that's really heartbreaking to say. Because I know when these players come from these great high school programs like Notre Dame, Van College, Carson Graham, New West, Siakwam, there is a lot of talent that is here. But you cannot put them into the lion's den eight, nine, ten times a year and watch them get drubbed every single week and not look for a solution. So what do you do? Do you find a way to say, screw it, we're just going to go out there and we're going to try to find the best players and go to the States and damn it, we're going to knock on every door until we can find that blue chip prospect? It's not going to happen. And you could take right now the high school all-star team for football players and talent here in this region. And it's still not going to be good enough to get over the top. The NCAA is no joke. And every once in a while, they get dragged through the mud by not presenting their players with enough opportunities and sucking off the tea to the cash cow. I mean, listen, the NCAA is not perfect, but it is also no joke. And when you sign up to play south of the border and not just independent like the NAIA back in the days where they weren't exactly a powerhouse there either, I just don't see the benefit of having your program in that conference and in the NCAA. Like, I'm sorry, I know there is cachet to play in the greatest conference athletically in collegiate sports, but if you can't get it done, and I mean you really can't get it done, then what are you doing? And I'm not saying this to the players. I'm saying this to the program. I'm saying this to the athletic department. If you can't even get close, and you are 2 and 47 in your past 49 games, 2 and 47, just over a 4% chance of winning. It's unbelievable. So somebody help these guys. Somebody throw a life preserver into the water. Save this program or cut this program until you can have a game plan to get it back where you can be competitive. There's taking lumps and then there is just getting absolutely crushed. And unfortunately for Simon Fraser, this is a problem that is not going away. All right, let's get to the rest of it, shall we? There are some good things, I promise. I'm not going to use my whole show here today just to beat down on a college football program that's trying their best. But I do want to say this very quickly. I love college sports, and I need you to know that. I know what you just heard me say about a program for the last eight, nine minutes, but it is only because I really do care about SFU at UBC, at Trinity Western, and all the other schools that try to populate their athletic programs. It is not easy to do. So having some jerk-off create a podcast and then rip me for eight minutes probably doesn't feel all that good. The truth hurts, but it is the truth. And that's why I hope somebody looks at SFU right now and has a game plan because it's completely unfair to march these kids out onto the field knowing that that is going to be the end result. I'm sorry, you could put any optimistic coach in there you want. You could put all the boosters in front of me that you want. You could put all the players and all the pride in front of me that you want. The system and the plan isn't there. So either fix it or cut it off. Okay, 
You can tell I've been off for a couple of days, right? Let's get to it. There is a very good story that is brewing right now south of the border, and it involves a pair of Canadians. At the U.S. Open, there are two Canadians in the semifinals. One man, one woman. And they are both just a win away from playing for their first major title. Montreal's Felix Auger-Elysime and Laval, Quebec native Leila Annie Fernandez are on the cusp of stardom. Both of these players are the first Canadians to advance to a semi at the same time since 2014 when Jeannie Bouchard and Milos Raonic both showed up at Wimbledon. Fernandez ranked number 73 in the world. This is just her seventh major ever. And in a two and a half hour match in the quarters, got past Alina Slitovina 6-3, 3-6, and 7-6. She's coached by her father and right now has the entire country of Canada in the palm of her hands. Now for Auger Elisame, the number 12 seed, he's off to the semis after taking on Carlos Alcaraz of Spain, who had to retire in the second set. The 21-year-old was up 6-3 and 3-1 when all of a sudden Alcaraz waved over to his trainer and said that his tournament was over. So not one, but two Canadians with an opportunity to go to the US Open final. Both from Quebec, both Canadian, and both with a shot at stardom before the weekend is done. A very, very cool time to be a tennis fan. I mean, you think of everything that's happened over the last couple of years with tennis north of the border. Gosh, you could probably put this in the conversation with Canadian soccer, both men's and women's, as a sport that has really captured the attention of the mainstream. It's really fun to watch. Well, to Major League Baseball, and before we get to the Hall of Fame inductions, which are happening over the next couple of hours, Let's very quickly get you caught up with the world of baseball because the hottest team right now is the Toronto Blue Jays. And they have put the entire American League wildcard chase on its ear. Six in a row, two games out of the second wildcard spot. And I'll tell you this, with nine wins in their past 10 games, they are definitely a team to be reckoned with. Why? Marcus Semien. 38 home runs. He had a solo job last night. You've got Jose Barrios. You've got Steven Matz. You've got Hyunjin Ryu. You've got a nucleus of pitchers right now that can actually get this done. And that's before I add Robbie Ray into the conversation. So you've got about 20 some odd games left. You're two games out of a wild card spot and you are the hottest team in baseball right now. This is very good news for Charlie Montoyo and very good news for the Toronto Blue Jays fan base. For Montoyo in particular, who a couple of weeks ago, people were rolling their eyes saying that maybe this wasn't the guy to get the Blue Jays over the hump. I mean, we have seen the highs and lows of this team, haven't we? Started the season in Dunedin, then went to Buffalo, finally get back to Toronto, started off hot, then went into the dumpster fire, then came out of the dumpster fire smelling like roses and just keeps on rolling. They are, get this, 13 games above 500. The Toronto Blue Jays, with everything that they have been through, are 13 games above 500. More wins than Cleveland, more wins in Kansas City, than Oakland, Los Angeles, hell, more wins in San Diego if you want to broaden the scope. It has been an unbelievable run for the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you hope that they get in? Absolutely. Baseball? Probably not so much. They'd love to have the Yankees in Boston, another chapter in that storied rivalry, but the Yankees have lost four in a row, two of those at the hands of the Blue Jays. Boston has lost three in a row. So all of a sudden, Toronto, who is left for dead, five and a half, six games out in a week, has brought it to within two. The blessing is they're in the conversation. 
the curse is that they're going to have to maintain what they're doing right now through the final 20-some-odd games of the season. It can be done. They're the hottest team. They're 9-1 in their past 10 games, as I mentioned. The only problem is this is a run that simply gets them back to the line of scrimmage. Now they got to start making up some plus yardage, to use a football adage. But at least they're in the conversation in the middle part of September, and they've got guys all over that lineup that are producing right now. Again, we mentioned Marcus Simeon, but then you've got Alejandro Kirk, who had two home runs. You've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's doing his thing. And you hope at some point they get George Springer back again. Charlie Montoyo, knowing that Springer's left at day-to-day -day with that left knee contusion, said he's day-to-day, -day, and today isn't the day. I can't imagine he ends up playing in the outfield again, especially the way that the Blue Jays are playing right now, but he is a definite boost at DH. And I'm telling you, you add that bat back into the lineup, I don't know if I could bet against the Toronto Blue Jays. Knock on wood, but they are set for an interesting conversation. By the way, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. the other day with his 40th home run of the season, 40 for Vladdy, and it puts him in a really rare conversation. Not only does he become the youngest Blue Jay hitter to reach 40 home runs in just the 10th in franchise history, but he also becomes just the second father-son duo to hit 40 home runs along with his dad, Vladimir Guerrero. They join Prince Fielder and Cecil Fielder. Vladdy Sr. hit 42 home runs when he was 24 back with the Expos and reached the 40 home run plateau once more the following season. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Cooperstown because this was um, kind of bittersweet for Larry Walker in the fact that he was supposed to have his moment and then COVID postponed everything, and now all eyes are on Derek Jeter. But I will tell you this, Larry finally gets his day in Cooperstown, and it is so deserved. Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller inducted into the Hall of Fame. That is today. And to see Walker sitting beside Derek Jeter at the Baseball Hall of Fame is so endearing. Walker gets in just in the nick of time. Jeter, a no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer, but they now share an equal footing in Cooperstown, and it is so great for Canadian baseball. This is, by the way, a very big moment for Canadian baseball. Got to go all the way back to Ferguson Jenkins to feel the way Canadian baseball fans maybe do right now, but again, might not be the last one. The guy that narrated his video, Joey Votto, maybe doesn't get to Cooperstown, but another iconic Canadian paying homage to Larry Walker, who again becomes a part of baseball immortality today. Okay, off to the gridiron we go south of the border. And yes, Seattle Seahawks getting ready for their week one battle against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts saying that it will be quarterback Carson Wentz, who took part in practice today, all of it, and expects to play week one against Seattle. There were reports early on that Wentz was going to miss a large chunk of the season because of his foot surgery. But Wentz returning on the early stages of that window, which at one point was 5 to 12 weeks, Colts really up against it on the injury front early on. Their star guard, Quentin Nelson, a similar foot injury to Wentz. Both returned from surgery on the front end of those projections, and both are expected to play. Down in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence has been selected as the team captain by his Jaguar teammates, already bearing the weight of the franchise. Now, all of a sudden, he's got that C patch on his chest. And as that happens in Florida, Cam Newton saying that he's still got a lot of football in him in his first public comments since being released by the Pats. He shared that on Instagram. 
previewing an upcoming video which tells a much bigger story. Ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers saying that TJ Watt should get whatever the heck he wants when it comes to contract talks. Just a day after Steelers coach Mike Tomlin said that he expected TJ Watt to play Sunday against Buffalo, despite a contract stalemate with the club, Big Ben steps forward and says pay that man his money. Kind of like KJB in the movie Rounders. Pia that to anyways. Canadian Football League getting ready for a quartet of games this weekend. The Friday Nighter has Toronto hosting Hamilton. Hamilton coming in as three-and-a-half-point favorites in that one. Winnipeg is going to host Saskatchewan. That's a pretty scratch game. BC Lions getting ready to take on Ottawa. BC heavily favored at home. And Edmonton hosting Calgary. Those games all on Saturday, September the 11th. And for those who aren't really keeping track, in the West Division, BC right now 2-2 two two through their first four games. Winnipeg leads that division with eight points. Saskatchewan in second with six. Edmonton and BC tied with four points. Calgary at one and four pulling up the rear. Over in the East Division, it has been that, eh, kind of what it's been for the last decade. Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, all even Steven at 2-2 two two with four points. Ottawa, the only team below 500 at 1-3. and three. They have two points, if you're still with me. Well, yesterday, one thing on the NHL ice that I thought was somewhat relevant, Pierre Dorian signing a contract extension, and it's the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, and that goes right through the 24-25 season. It begins next season. Ottawa's got the option for 25-26. Eugene Melnick stepping out, saying, quote, we're very pleased to sign Pierre to his second extension as Senators GM. Pierre has worked tirelessly towards building an organization that can compete in the National Hockey League with the best, quote-unquote. Now, Ottawa did miss the Stanley Cup playoffs for their fourth consecutive season, but there was a little bit of bright light at the end. If you remember, they were 14-8-4 in their final 26 games of the season after getting off to that terrible start. But you can't take away Dorian's track record when it comes to the draft. Logan Brown, Drake Batherson, Brady Kachuk, and Tim Stutzla, as well as Jake Sanderson, who was taken two places after Stutzla. Batherson has been fantastic, and uh, what was it, like a week or so ago? Signed that six-year, $30 million contract, and also locked in coach DJ Smith and Pierre Maguire as the senior vice president of player development, who will work with Dorian and Melnick. All right, there it is. Your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to Jay Swing, my producer extraordinaire, and uh, to each and every one of you that take the time to like, subscribe, review, and more importantly, to share what we are doing here for Sports Bar Radio. I'm off to get ready for NEW1. Let's not forget this coming Saturday, September the 11th. Yes! Get a chance to see local independent wrestling back in Vancouver for the first time in a year and a half. And I am so excited to be a part of that conversation. There are still tickets available for our 2 p.m. shows. 7 o'clock is more than sold out. But 2 p.m., we do have about 35 tickets remaining. So come and see some of the best stars of the Pacific Northwest. Go to NationExtremeWrestling.com to lock your seats up for a very big Saturday in the Squirt Circle. My thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru as well. My thanks to Chris Perry, to Galen, JP Chung, Asan, and of course the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. For the last time today, I'm Rob Fink. Thank you for making me a part of your morning or your afternoon. You can find all of my episodes here whenever you want to listen in on a, about a half hour, 35 minute podcast that gets you caught up with everything in the world of sports. And if you want to interact with me, please do it on Twitter at Rob Fay, R O B F is in Frank A I. I will see you tomorrow for another edition of Sports Bar Radio. Until then, have yourself a fantastic day. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. 
visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself. This segment is brought to you by The Gaming Stadium, Canada's pioneering leaders in online esports tournaments, specializing in tools for league operators, tournament streaming, venue management, and community building. TGS has become a global leader in esports events, sponsorship, and production. With regular online tourneys for Fortnite, Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, Rocket League, and more, visit www.thegamingstadium.com to sign up and play. For investor information, check out the ticker symbol TGS.